in for a very special treat today. Bringing the word is Pastor Shake Anderson's spiritual father, Dr. Bob Rogers. He is a pilot. He's a father. He's a husband. He's a pastor of Evangel World Prayer Center in Louisville, Kentucky, the congregation which has 37 services going on today, multiple radio stations, TV stations, and he went through quite an ordeal to get here. His flight was diverted from our airspace where landing strips were froze over to Shreveport, Louisiana, and then he had to drive here. So thank you so much for persevering. And we show our appreciation, Pastor Bob Rogers. Praise the Lord. I know that uh, I know that applause was for Jesus. Amen. Um, I want to say that it's a real privilege to be with you. And uh, Sheikh is my spiritual son. I tell people he comes from the dark side of our family. But uh, I love uh, Karen and I love her family. Uh, she comes from a mighty family of God. She has a, a sister that is as great a preacher as anybody I know of. And uh, I think you ought to give them a real hand of appreciation. I think wonderful. I love you. also want to introduce uh, Kedrick Timbo. Kedrick, would you stand? Kedrick is the great, great, great grandson of Shaka Zulu, head of the Zulu Nation. And uh, he's from Zambia. Um, I'm the son of a pioneer Pentecostal preacher. I've lived above the church, below the church, in front of the church, and in back of the church. Fifty-two times a year I never made plans. I knew what was going to happen I came to church. It didn't matter if I was sick or not. My dad believed God would heal you, and he prayed for me, and I got healed whether I wanted to get healed or not, and I came to church. But I believe in the church, and I want to say that I am so impressed with your pastor and his wonderful wife, and you've got a great pastor. Let's give them a real big hand of appreciation. I, uh, my dad and I uh, have started over 150 churches, and that sounds real exciting, but what that means is uh, you can't be afraid to preach to small crowds, and uh, you uh, also have to believe God for money because there is no money. Uh, today our church has a little over 10,000 members, and uh, I was on a 40-day fast, and God spoke to me. Uh, that he had called me to help the poor of my city. And I told the Lord I didn't want to help the poor of my city. I'd been poor all my life. I'd like to reach uh, some rich people in my city. And I remember we had a little hiccup in our church, and I, I lost my Mercedes crowd. I lost my Lexus group. But I didn't lose people. People kept coming. And I was looking out the window between one of my services And this car pulled into the parking lot, and it looked like it was held together with bumper stickers and bailing wire. And I said, those people look so poor. And God said, I know. I sent them here. I sent them here so you would uh, teach them how to trust God and how to pray and fast, and I'd prosper them and bless them. 
So the Lord began to deal with me, and I opened a place to feed the hungry. It's called the Lord's Kitchen. And after three months, uh, the director came to me and said, Pastor Bob says, we have run out of food. And I said, well, I've run out of money. And he says, well, i tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go close it today. I said, don't do that. Just go down there and give him some water in the name of the Lord. So he goes down, and there's a fellow waiting for him. And he said, uh, I killed this deer. I had him all butchered here, and I wanted to bring him over here to the Lord's kitchen. thought you might could use him, use this food. So we mixed it with hamburger helper, which uh, I don't even know if that's illegal uh, to feed that way. We fed the people. And the next day, God performed another miracle for us. And God tested us. That was seven million meals ago. And uh, in the summer, we uh, go out to different locations. And uh, we uh, have 22 feeding locations. And many are Muslims. And uh, we've led many Muslims to to the Lord. And uh, with the exception of the uh, Louisville public school system, we feed more people in our city than anyone else. We have to get uh, rated, just like uh, any restaurant gets rated. They come and rate us. And they nominated us as one of the top five restaurants in Louisville. (laughs) Hallelujah. So uh, that's not bad for a place that feeds the hungry. Amen. Uh, so praise the Lord. I want to mention there are a number of uh, books and uh, materials out in the front. Uh, here's a book I've written on Standing in the Gap. It's a book on intercessory prayer. Many of you uh, may be called as an intercessor and don't even know it. Usually an intercessor has a number. And that number may not mean anything to anybody else, but it means something to you. Uh, I have a number of 333 and 444. When I see those numbers... Immediately, I'll get up and uh, I'll go pray. Here's a book that I've written entitled The uh, Four Blood Moon Predictions. I've written a couple of books on the four blood moons. Uh, John Hagee's got the number one book in America. Uh, According to Amazon.com, I've got the number two book. The difference in our books are this. It takes a couple of days to read his. Mind you can go to the bathroom. When you come out, you can understand everything that's going on here. But these, have, um, these are four predictions that I, I've made that's going to happen that I feel is, is in the process of happening. And uh, it's very interesting. Here's a book that I've written entitled Forbid Not to Speak in Other Tongues. And uh, it's, uh, this is in a lot of seminaries. But I share with you how it's very easy uh, to lead someone into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it's uh, also interesting how the Holy Spirit and how the manifestation of speaking in tongues came. It came through the black community. It didn't come through the whites. It came through the blacks. And what happened was the Moravians, Moravian missionaries, uh, they had a real manifestation of the power of God. They spoke in tongues. And they began to send out missionaries. And uh, some of their missionaries went to the islands where the slaves were being held. But because they were white and the blacks uh, were in slavery, they couldn't minister to them, so they sold themselves into slavery. And uh, the slaves began to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. 
And then when they were brought to the plantations, they brought with them that experience of the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's very interesting. Here's a book entitled uh, 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 The Hundredfold Blessing. God gave me that on a 21-day fast. Uh, here's a book I've written about Colonel Sanders, how he found his wealth. Uh, we prayed that God would save a millionaire, and he'd come to our church and pay his tithe and get us out of debt. How many believe that's a good prayer to pray? Well, two weeks passed, and down the aisle walked a little white-headed man with a white goatee and a string bow tie. It was Colonel Harlan Sanders. Sat down on the front row, and when the altar call was given, the old colonel was the first one at the altar. He said, Preacher, do you believe God could save me where he'd take out my cusser? That colonel could cuss a blue streak. And uh, I, I worked for the colonel. I traveled with him all over the world. I've went, been with him in Russia and Egypt and Israel. My dad baptized him in the, in the Jordan River. My dad preached his funeral. Colonel told me one day, he said, Bob, if it wasn't for us guys with eighth grade education, you college boys wouldn't even have a job. <laughs> but uh, I share here uh, how God saved him and uh, also he had a miraculous healing. I share that in this book and how he paid his tithe and helped us get out of debt. How many would like to know how much that money was? That's not enough. But anyway, uh, here's a book I, I, I wrote. It's uh, entitled Ten Miracle, Financial Miracle Breakthrough Prayers. And I, I was sharing, I was going through a real difficult time and, uh, financially. And I had this property. I had, I had uh, about a, a $3 million loss on these apartments. And it just it wasn't anybody's fault. It's just the way it happened. And so I was really struggling, and the Lord spoke to me to write down my three greatest needs and put them in my shoe. And I was so embarrassed. I thought, this is so silly. I'm not going to do that. And uh, so I, But I did. I wrote them down, and I put them in my shoe. And the Lord told me to pray for it for 30 days. And I would pray sometimes 20, 30 times a day. I begin to declare those in the name of Jesus. One of those was my son. My son was uh, had gotten on drugs, and uh, if you've ever had children that got on drugs, it's a, it's a terrible thing. And I I was praying that God would do something in his life, deliver him, and it was a real miracle. But at the end of that time, some things happened in his life. And he entered into a drug and alcohol recovery program that began his road to deliverance. I needed $70,000 by the end of that month. I couldn't borrow enough money to buy a toaster. And a guy loaned me $70,000. If he were to walk in this room, I don't know if I would recognize him or not. But God gave me ten prayers. And the first prayer that God gave me was to release the angel of prosperity. At 3.33 in the morning, this angel came and he stood at the foot of my bed. And I got up out of bed and I went in there and he, he said, I'm the angel of prosperity. I said, well, I never heard of an angel of prosperity. And he began to go through the scriptures and began to show himself scripture after scripture after scripture. And God gave me these, um, these ten prayers. And as I began to pray them, there was a total turnaround in our finances. And it's a, it's a great blessing. Here's a book that I've written. It's the number one 
best-selling book on fasting in America and has been for uh, the last number of years. It's entitled The 21-Day Fast. And uh, this will help you to fast. Um, I have fasted anywhere from 50 to 150 days a year for uh, the last uh, 30 years. And I'm not talking about uh, fasting ice cream, uh, total not eating. And in this, there's a pre-fasting diet. Uh, It uh, helps get all the pollutants out of your body. If you fast and you get headaches, that's a sign it's working. It's uh, feeding on the toxins and the poisons. And uh, it's a tremendous, uh, this diet speeds up your metabolism. We got it from a, a hospital. It's very safe, but you have to be careful. You can lose up to 17 pounds in one week. I was sharing earlier, a lady in our church fasted 40 days, and she went on a partial fast just on that, that uh, pre-fasting diet. She lost over 70 pounds. And uh, I looked at her the other day and thought she could stand one of those uh, fasts again. Hallelujah. But anyway, uh, they're out here. I also have a magazine that I want uh, you to have. It doesn't cost anything. It's uh, a 21-day fasting edition. It'll be a great blessing to you. Uh, here's a tallit. Uh, these are prayer shawls. Uh, this is a beautiful one. We brought this from Jerusalem. And I've written this uh, Bible. I didn't read the whole Bible, but I, there's a part of this that in the front, it's the um, Spirit of Israel Bible. And uh, in this, I share uh, many of the customs, and you see what some of these things are. I tell about the history. I tell about the great miracles that have taken place. You know, one of the great miracles that happened in, uh, that I share in here is uh, about the miracle of Mishmash. Uh, Mishmash was the place you read about it in the book of uh, Samuel, where Jonathan and his uh, armor bearer, they called up this cliff, and it was Mishmash. And the, he said, if God be with us, they'll tell us to come up. And if they're, we're not going to win this battle, they'll come down to us. Well, Mishmash is at the end of a canyon. There's a canyon that goes down. This town is impregnable. You cannot, uh, an army would lose masses and tens of thousands of people because you go through one of these things like you'd see on television in the Wild West. And then at the end of that is where the city of Mishmash is, and there's a cliff at the end of it. People cannot come up that cliff. And when the Turks fled from Jerusalem, they fled to this place called Mishmash. And General Allenby, he said, we've got to, uh, we've got to conquer them. And they sent a cavalry a battalion down there on horseback. And they decided that they would take the hit. They thought they might even lose half of their soldiers and that night, one of the young captains was praying. And he, uh, he said, you know, Mishmash, I think that's in the Bible. And he read the story how Jonathan and his armor bearer climbed up that cliff. And he thought to himself, there must, must be a trail up there. So he goes to the colonel and he read the scripture. He said, I know there's a, there, there has to be a trail And so they gave him about uh, 40 soldiers, and they went back there at midnight, and they found this snake path that went up 
the trail where Jonathan and his armor bearer did. They climbed up there. They put a machine gun. At daylight, they started shooting at those Turks. The British army did not lose one soldier, and the Turks surrendered. They either were killed or surrendered. But I share that in this, in this Bible. I share why Jerusalem uh, is, the, uh, is the holy city. It's where the, uh, it's where the Garden of Eden was. It's where Jesus uh, was crucified. It's uh, very interesting. And uh, they're out there in the back. Now, you can buy those books uh, ind- individually. They're about $10 a piece. Or you can buy all seven of them for $30. And that will be a great blessing to you. Amen. Let's all stand. Everybody standing. How many brought your Bibles? Hold your Bible up to the Lord. If you don't have a Bible, hold your hand up to the Lord. In our state, more people smoke in our state than any state in America. So I tell people, uh, you bring two things to church. You bring your Bible and you bring your cigarettes. And uh, my daddy used to tell me, if you don't have a lot of cigarette butts out in front of your church, you don't have much of a church. But I believe God can take those cigarettes away from people. Don't you? I believe God can deliver you from cigarettes. It's not God's plan for a, a, a leaf and a bush and a plant to shorten your life and take dominion over you. How many know that's true? We have a drug and alcohol center, and we can get them clean from heroin, from cocaine, but the hardest thing to get people set free is from cigarettes. I think it's more powerful than all those other drugs together. But hold your Bible high, hold your hand high. I want you to say with me, this is the Word of God. This is God's plan for my life. It's a light unto my pathway. It's a lamp unto my feet. This is my road map. It shows me how to get on in life. And I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. And I can be what it says I can be. In Jesus' name. As you remain standing, I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 17. In Matthew, chapter 17, I want to begin reading in the 20th verse. Matthew 17, 20. Would you say that, please? Matthew 17, 20. If you don't have a Bible, uh, I want to share with you a secret to people filled with the Spirit. And that is, if you'll smile real big and show your teeth, that's a sign you forgot your Bible. And someone will move over to where you are, and they'll share with you their Bible so you can you can read the Bible with them. Amen? So look around. If somebody's showing their teeth, that's a good sign and uh, to share with them. If you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Would you say that with me? And nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit, this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. Father, anoint your word with great power in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. And you may be seated. God bless you. I want to share just for a moment about fasting. Many people in this church, you're people of prayer. You're people that give and sacrifice. Many times fasting has been something that uh, the American church has never participated in. Or when they do fast, they fast breakfast. 
They don't like breakfast anyway, so that's a good meal for them to fast. But to be honest, if it's not important to you, it's not important to God. Or they go on a sissy fast, uh, the Daniel fast, which uh, they know nothing about. Daniel probably was 90 years of age when he fasted that. The Bible says he ate no pleasant bread. And uh, if you're 90 years old, then go on uh, that type of fast. He was about 14 or 15 when he was taken into captivity in Babylon. And now in the book of Jeremiah, it had prophesied that after 70 years they would be returned uh, to Jerusalem. It probably now was 75 years later. And so he fasted for 21 days that God would fulfill that promise. But a fast means to close your mouth in the Hebrew. In the Greek, it means not to eat. That's what fasting means. You don't fast television. You don't fast reading the funny paper. Uh, that's abstinence. Fasting is you don't eat. There are different types of fast in the Bible. There's a half fast. A half fast was till after the evening prayer. The evening prayer was at 3 o'clock, and so after they would go to evening prayer, and they would come home, they would eat, so probably about a 6 o'clock meal. And so a half fast would be that you would fast until the evening meal. Then there is a 24-hour fast. Many times in the Bible, they didn't drink water. But Jesus, when he fasted, he drank water. And so we promote a, a liquid fast. It says afterwards he was greatly hungered. It doesn't say he was thirsty. And then there is a three-day fast. I fasted two days, and I did not see any greater breakthrough than one day. But at three, day, there's, three days, there's a breakthrough. There's a breakthrough at seven days. At 14 days, at 21 days. At 21 days, there's a breakthrough in finances. Somehow, there is a financial breakthrough. I have prayed literally with hundreds of people that have bought homes after a 21-day fast. The next breakthrough is at 30 days and then 40 days. Usually, when people fast 40 days, it's not really a 40-day fast. They'll fast 44 days. They'll fast uh, 42 days. One time I went to a man, and he was on his 53rd day of a fast. And I said to him, I said, I want you to break your fast. He said, why? I said, well, because something might happen to you, and they'll blame our church and blame me, and I, don't want, I want you to eat. He said, well, Pastor, God's been blessing me so much. I've made $280,000 during this fast. I said, I'll just keep on fasting. Hallelujah. <laughs> but you get into an envelope. You get into a, a, a presence of God, and you don't want to break it. The hardest day of a 40-day fast is not the 40th day. It's day number one. The second hardest day is day number two. The third hardest day is day number three, and then you get over the hump, and you can begin to fast, but when 40 days comes along, you don't even want to break the fast. And the Bible says that Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness and he fasted 40 days. 
In the book of Mark, it says he was driven by the Holy Spirit to fast for 40 days. He was led and he was driven by the Holy Spirit to fast. Now, I want you to think just for a moment. He was led. He was led. He was driven. He was pushed to fast for 40 days. Now, why did Jesus fast for 40 days? If he could have gotten the same things and the same results by just praying and just planting some seeds and giving to the poor, he never would have fasted 40 days. The Catholic Church teaches fasting in this manner. They teach that he fasted for 40 days to take upon himself the sins of all mankind. We do not believe that. When Jesus was crucified on the cross, he took the sins upon him. But we teach fasting in a completely different manner. We teach fasting because Jesus said in the three disciplines and the three duties of every believer in Matthew chapter 6 is when you give, and he says the Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Secondly, he says when you pray, he says the Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And then he says when you fast. The Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. There are rewards and blessings that come by fasting that don't come in any other way. In other words, you can pray, you can give, but never receive the blessing of fasting. And so all of your life, it's like you have a fast race car and you never get it out of third gear. You never get it out on the road and really let it run. But Jesus took this opportunity when a young boy was brought to him and the disciples could not get this boy healed. Every person they had prayed for had gotten healed until this moment. This boy would throw himself into the fire. He probably had seizures of some type. And Jesus, he immediately cast the demons out. And he healed the boy. And the disciple says, well, why couldn't we get this boy healed? And he said and taught them with uh, not in a rebuking uh, uh, demeanor, but in a teaching demeanor. He said, it's because of your unbelief. And he says, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, be removed to yonder place. It shall be removed. and Nothing shall be impossible. How be it, or if you want to have this kind of faith, it takes prayer and fasting. Say that with me. Prayer and fasting. <coughs> I want to talk to you just for a moment what happens when you'll begin to fast. And by fasting, I'm not talking about you going on a 40-day fast. Uh, I fasted 13 40-day fasts. I've broken every rule about fasting. Uh, I have broken and failed at fasting more than people have ever fasted in their lives. But when I fasted with other people, I've never broken a fast, not even one time. And uh, so I'm not talking about a 21-day fast. Anything longer than a three-day fast is a good fast. It's a breakthrough fast. A seven-day fast is a great fast. A 21-day fast is a powerful fast. But what I'm talking about is taking a day a week to fast. Taking a Monday, and if you fast Monday, it's every Monday. If your day of the week to fast is Wednesday, it's every Wednesday you fast. If your birthday's on Wednesday, 
for crying out loud, don't spoil your birthday, move it to another day. How many believe you ought to have some common sense about fasting? But fasting was meant to be on a specific day. You have a day you go to church. You have a day you bring your tithes into the storehouse. And there's a day that you give to God in fasting. In Mark chapter 2, also in the book of Matthew, it talks about how the disciples of John came to Jesus and says, Why don't your boys fast? He says, uh, and Jesus said, as long as the bridegroom is with the friends of the bridegroom, they don't have to fast. But the day will come when the bridegroom will be taken away, and then shall they fast in those days. Well, Jesus is the bridegroom. We are the children of the bridegroom. And Jesus said, as long as I'm here, they don't need to fast. I'm going to show them everything they need to know. But the day will come, I won't be here. And then they're going to need to fast if they're going to receive the great miracles and everything that I can provide for them. Fasting must become one of their disciplines. And so it says in the King James, then shall they fast in those days. The proper translation is that day. And that day was Friday. That's why the church ordained Friday as a time of fasting. And it, uh, it's not a Catholic thing. It was a Jesus thing. Jesus said that, and so the church adopted Friday as a time of fasting. And so then when they were building the Vatican, they ran out of money, and they owned the uh, fish... Uh, markets there in Venice and they were going broke and so they said well if we would allow people to eat fish on Fridays it would save the fish market and save our our fishing industry and help us build the Vatican and that's when uh, fish on Friday was allowed in the church but Martin Luther he rose up and he said that they'll eat more on breaking that fast than I eat in a whole week. And so I'm declaring to you to take a day a week to fast. Whatever day you take, have your whole family to fast. If you've got a son stationed in Afghanistan, a daughter in Florida, family members scattered all over, on that day of the week, your family comes together. If they can't fast the whole day, fast until the evening meal. You'll begin to see your grandchildren get saved. You'll begin to see God bless your home, God bless your family, God save everybody in your home, and nothing will be impossible unto you. Can I hear an amen? Amen. The first thing that begins to happen when a person fasts is there's a financial uh, swing, a financial blessing that takes place. The first curse that came to mankind was not the curse of sickness. The fact is, uh, Grandpa Adam lived 933 years. It took 933 years for the devil to kill him. But the first manifestation was, you'll have to make a living by the sweat of your brow. And suddenly there came thorns and thistles. And the first manifestation of sin was poverty. So when Jesus, when Jesus came from the fast of 40 days... He came into the synagogue and he opened the scriptures to Isaiah 61. And he said, For the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. The first words that Jesus spoke 
was, I have an anointing to break poverty off of your life. Let me tell you about fasting. It breaks poverty in Jesus' name. When I begin to minister to a lot of the poor and to help them, I begin to ask them to join us in fasting. Take a day a week to fast. And I have found it's impossible to stay poor if you help poor people and if you'll fast a day a week. God begins to turn things around in the name of Jesus. I had a young girl, she came from Africa. They were part of our church and she went on a 21-day fast. She was a senior in high school. She drank water, she drank some juices. At the end of that 21 days, she wanted to go to college. She wanted to go to college more than anything in the world. And the most expensive college in Kentucky is $52,000 a year. She went and she took a test. There were 200 people invited to take this test. Only two people were going to get scholarships. She was the number one girl and... uh, had over $250,000 scholarship. I think let's give the Lord a great big praise clap. Hallelujah. So the next year, her brother, her brother was a senior this year, and he said, well, if it works for my sister, I'm going to try it for me. And so he fasted for 21 days, a senior in high school. And he went and took the college exams, And the University of Kentucky awarded him a governor scholar. It was a quarter of a million dollar scholarship. And God blessed him in the name of Jesus. Now let me share something about fasting. If you fast by yourself, you're going to get a reward that just you plow through. But if you fast as a church, and nine out of ten fasts in the Bible are corporate fasts, In other words, they're fasting with other people. When you fast corporately, first of all, it's easier. You know, if uh, uh, it's not in the Bible, it ought to be. Uh, Misery loves comfort. And when people are fasting, you encourage one another. But secondly, what happens, if you get a breakthrough, someone over here will get a breakthrough. We had a fellow in our church, he had diabetes. When God healed him, His sister got healed of diabetes. His uh, father got healed of diabetes. And 18 other people in the church got healed of diabetes. Come on, somebody say amen. I fasted 40 days one time for my daughter. She had a learning disorder. And I was praying that God would help her to pass and help her to begin to learn. And when God touched her, God touched eight other kids in our church that had learning disorders. You'll uh, have a person get a breakthrough and they'll buy a house. Well, there'll be 20 people to buy houses. It's because you're fasting together and the breakthrough begins to come. I say the first manifestation is prosperity. Look at the people who own and control over half of the wealth of the world. They're the Jewish people that represent point. 0.2% of the population of the world. And they have been on a 4,000-year fast. Uh, It's a partial fast. But look how God has blessed them and how God has helped them in the name of the Lord. 
had a fellow come to our church, and I remember I went over and shook his hands. I began to talk to him. He had a beautiful wife, and he had three children. And he told me, he said, Pastor Bob, we have slept in the car for three days. And so I went over, and I rented him a hotel room for a few days, and I said, I want you to come tomorrow morning. I have a morning prayer meeting. I want you to be over here at 6 o'clock. And we were praying, and I got talking to him. I said, uh, we're going on a 21-day fast. He was unemployed. I asked him if he had any talents. He said, Pastor, I don't have any talents. He said, the only thing I know how to do is wash cars. My, my grandfather could really wash cars, and he taught me how to wash cars and detail cars. And I said, well, why don't you see if you can get some jo- a job doing that? During this 21-day fast, he went to a car lot, and they hired him to wash their cars twice a week at the car lot. I think he got $2 a car. Then he signed up another car lot. Then he went down to the bus company in Louisville, and he signed a contract with them to wash the bus stops. That year, he made $250,000 washing cars. He bought him a new home. He came driving in a nicer car than I was driving. And I'm here to tell you that poverty can be broken in the name of Jesus. Can I hear an amen? The second thing that begins to happen is there's a manifestation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. How many want the gifts of the Holy Ghost to operate in your life? You know, the Bible says we're to covet earnestly the best gifts. We're to desire spiritual gifts. Well, how did Jesus desire spiritual gifts? Did he say, oh, I want those gifts, I want those gifts, I want those gifts? No. He fasted for 40 days. And when a person begins to fast, there's a manifestation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I, I never saw an angel. I never got anybody healed in my life until I started fasting. I remember when I started fasting, I began to see manifestations of angels. And I want to say this very humbly. I've seen hundreds and hundreds of angels. One, uh, one night, my dog started barking. And uh, my wife says, why don't you go out there and shut up that dog? So I got up and I went outside and this dog was barking and, uh, and there was an angel. This angel was as tall as uh, the, the uh, roof or the gable on my garage. So when I came in, Margaret says, well, what was it? I said, it was, he's barking at an angel. She said, well, what did he want? I said, uh, I don't know. So I, I sat down and I just started reading the Bible. And uh, it was uh, at 12 o'clock, the doorbell rang. Well, by now, I'm convinced that that was a guardian angel. So I go down, and uh, there's a guy, look at the peephole. This guy's as rough a looking guy as I ever saw. I said, what do you want? He said, well, my car broke down. I was wondering if I could come in and make a phone call, get some help. Normally, I might have I left him, let him in, but God warned me. God warned me, and I said, well, give me the number, and I'll make a call. My family's asleep. I, I can't let you in. And he couldn't think of the number. And then he gave me a number. I went in, and it was a, a wrong number. When I came out, he was, he was gone. But God had sent his angel to protect me in the name of the Lord. 
I was, uh, years ago, my dad was, uh, went down to a part of Kentucky, Burksville, Kentucky, down in Wayne County, down in the southeastern part of our state, and he was preaching. And he rented a room off of the courthouse. And the county judge uh, had rented that to them, and people started getting healed. People started getting uh, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And there was a, a man who got healed of deafness. And he was a member of the largest church in that city. And so he went to his pastor and he said, Man, God has healed me. They're, they're having a meeting down here. And God's opened my ear. And my mother played the organ. Dad had a trailer that he carried that organ in. And so this pastor went to the county judge and said, This guy's a, this guy's a quack. He said, He needs to be thrown out of this uh, county. And so that night, the sheriff came and arrested my dad at the motel. They... Uh, said, get out of this county right now. And so they packed everything in the car, and my dad drove to the county line. He took his shoes off, and he shook the dust off of his shoes, and he drove off. Well, what happened to Wayne County was an amazing thing. It became the poorest county in the state of Kentucky. It uh, was fourth or fifth in, the sta- in, the, in America and teenage suicide. It uh, was one of the top-ranking counties in alcoholism. Your young people, when they grew up, they left Wayne County, and they never came back again because they couldn't get a job. So now years later, I get a call, and it's from the Ministerial Association down in Burksville, and they said, Pastor Rogers, it's well known what happened here and what happened to your dad. So would you come down and would you pray over Wayne County? Would you pray over Burksville? And uh, that that would be broken off this county. And I said, sure, I'll, I'll be glad to come down there. Well, about two weeks before I was to go, I was flying a little airplane. And I was flying out of Knoxville, Tennessee, over those mountains to Louisville. While I'm flying, it is a hot summer day. And I'm, I'm just flying along and suddenly a demon appeared right in front of that airplane. That demon was the color of a brown paper sack. It had a neck on him that looked like the neck of a goat. And it so shook me up that I got my maps out and I was trying to figure out where I was and I was right over Burksville, Kentucky. And the Lord spoke to me, said, in two weeks you're going to be there. And I just want you to know the principality that you're going to be facing when you get to Burksville. So I went on a fast. And so I was to be there on a Sunday night. And I remember as I was getting ready to leave on that Sunday, a fellow came up to me and said, are you supposed to preach someplace tonight? I said, yes. He said, well, the Lord told me to tell you you're not to, take an, you're not to receive an offering for yourself. So I had a fellow, he drove me down there, and we got there that night. And when I came into the building, the place was packed. And when I say packed, they were lined up along the walls of the church. And that night when I I preached, I prayed, I bound, I loosed, I did everything I knew to do. And I remember the church took me an offering. 
And the pastor came up and he said, I want to give you this offering. And it was $200. I said, well, I really appreciate that. But I'd like to give this to you and your wife. I'd like to plan it into your ministry. And he was so thankful. He said, well, let me take you out to eat. And I was in agreement with that. And uh, so he took me to a BP gas station. And uh, they were selling hamburgers at this BP gas station. And, and I got combo number one. And uh, he got a little children's hamburger and barely had enough money to pay for it. But I remember a revival broke loose. They called for 21 days of prayer and fasting, and they took a cross, and they began to walk around that county. And when they did, the powers of evil were broken off of Wayne County. They went into a revival, Pastor, and that revival lasted six weeks. They invited me to come down one night, and I came down to that revival, and they were praising God, and they were worshiping the Lord, and uh, they, were, they were just jumping like this. And I could feel the floor moving. I thought, this floor is going to break. And, uh, but God sent such a move of the Lord, they bought five acres. They built the nicest church in that county. And I remember they invited me to come down and preach. And I went down there and I preached. The church was packed. And then on my way out of town, I drove by the church where this pastor had come against my dad years ago. That church, which had been the largest church in that county, it looked like a ghost church. There was grass growing in the parking lot. That church had dwindled down to nothing. And I thought, what happens when people go against the move of the Lord? Hallelujah. Pastor, I want you to come up here with me just for a moment. And I didn't mention anything like this, but I just want you to come just for a moment stand with me. Uh, you know the people in this church. I, I don't know them. I would like for whomever you feel uh, that would uh, would like to have a word of encouragement to stand. And I'll just share whatever I feel like the Lord would uh, have me to do. Would that be okay? Yeah. All right, just go ahead. Jamar. Jamar, uh, that's all right. Stay there. Are, are you married, Jamar? Is your wife with you? Would you please stand? What's, what's uh, your first name, ma'am? Tiffany and Jamar. What kind of work you do, Jamar? You drive a truck. Well, the Lord gives me a great promise for you. It's found in the book of John, chapter 15, verse 7. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you. There's a real presence of the Lord upon your life and there's a real peace upon your life. You've had a real praying grandparents or praying family members that have prayed and cloaked you in prayers. And there's been prayers that have been stored up from you since you were a little boy. And God is releasing those prayers in your life because, Jamar, you've got a call on your life. You've always felt you had a call. You always felt like God had called you to the work of the Lord. And the Lord's going to begin to open the doors to you. And it's doors of ministry, doors that you're to proclaim the Word of God. And God is going to begin to use you greater than anything that you've ever Experience. The Lord gives me a great word for you. Soul winner. You're a man that has great power and passion and love for people. Hold your hands up, both hands. In the name of Jesus, may your hands be anointed to cast out devils, to heal the sick, and do exploits for the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Let's give the Lord a great big praise for that. Hallelujah. Mary, stand up. Mary, you a member of this church? Um, are you active in the church? Do you? She has been. Praise God. Uh, Mary, God gives me a, a beautiful word for you. Uh, the word that comes from the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 1. It begins about verse 17. It starts talking about midwives. And it says, The midwives feared the Lord and would not do what the king had told them to do. And in verse 20 it goes on to say, And the Lord blessed the midwives. And they grew and were greatly multiplied. And God gave them houses. The Lord says that because you've been faithful to the Lord and honored Him, God's going to promote you. And God is going to increase you. And God is going to raise you up and you will rise higher than any member of your family has ever risen. You'll own property. You'll be a person who's able to give and be a blessing. Poverty will never be a part of your life because not only do you work hard, you trust the Lord and there's a supernatural anointing upon you to be blessed in everything that you do. You are highly favored and blessed of the Lord in Jesus' name. Isn't that a good word from the Lord? Come on, give her a great big hand. Hallelujah. Pick somebody from this section. Praise the Lord. Gary, amen. What kind of work you do, Gary? Uh, outside sales rep for Trey Barnabas. Is this your daughter next to you? Yes. <laughs> what, what's your first name? Lori. Lori. Gary. Gary and Lori. Um, God gives me a, a wonderful word for you. And the word that God gives me for you is from the book of Joshua, chapter 1, verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do all that's written therein. For then I'll make your way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Gary, you've always been a real stable guy. Just uh, you can't stand flakes. You can't stand hypocrites. And uh, you've been a person who really has always wanted to do right. And the Lord says your strength and the increase is in the Word of God. This year, there's going to be a new something that happens about you and about the Bible. And God's going to begin to speak to you through the Word of God. And you are going to devour the Word of God like you devour chocolate cake. God's going to begin to open doors to you. God's going to give you direction. And God's getting ready to change your career. God's going to open a new door of opportunity. It's going to be an opportunity that will increase you, that will bless you. God is sending a prophetess to help you and direct you, and that prophetess is your wife right here. And God is going to wake you up in the middle of the night. And as you will seek God, God is going to give you direction and guidance, and together you're going to come up with the same thing, which is very unusual. But God is going to help you to come up with the exact word from God, the right direction. And this is going to be a year of great prosperity 
and great blessing in your life. But it's a year of change also. I bless you in the name of Jesus for the glory of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's go to this section over here. Trudy, how long have you been in this church? You like your pastor? Did you give him a Christmas present? Amen. Trudy, God gives me a great word for you. The word is uh, from the book of Matthew, chapter 7, verse 7. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. For whatever uh, man has a son, if he asks for bread, would you give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, would you give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father in heaven give good things to them that ask him? Is this all family members here? All right. Step away, please. Step away just a minute. Thank you. Trudy, you have a, a prayer anointing on you. And you've had it since the uh, first time you got saved. You just felt like you just needed it to be in God's presence. But this prayer anointing is going to increase. Oh, thank you, God. And, and God is going to answer big prayers this year. God says He's not going to withhold any good thing from those who walk uprightly. The Lord gives me another promise for you. It's Matthew 21, 22. All things whatsoever you ask in prayer believing, ye shall receive. So this is a year of great answers to prayer. And God's going to begin to answer prayers in your family. You're going to see things turn around for the glory of God. And... Uh, so just look to Him and rejoice. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give the Lord a great, great praise for Hallelujah. Put someone over here. Chris Allen. Praise the Lord. Chris Allen. Where's Chris? Stand up, Chris. Have your wife stand with you, please. What kind of work you do, Chris? Customer support. Chris, God gives me a, a great word for you. And that word is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 41, verse 10. Fear not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Fear not, for I am with thee. Chris, God's, God's hand's upon you. And uh, you've been facing some things that are very challenging. And facing some things you don't have the answers to. And the Lord says that He's got everything under control. Don't be afraid. Don't blink. Don't uh, take a step back. But move forward. The hand of God is with you. And as a sign, in the next seven days, something major is going to happen in your life. So get ready. It's going to be big. It's going to be good. And it's the hand of God. And it's a sign to you that you found favor with the Lord. Isn't that a good word? Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a great big praise. Now. Hallelujah. Over in this section right here, we'll close. Sophia Hogan's. Sophia, is this uh, your family here? Sophia, uh, God gives me a wonderful promise for you, and that promise is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, begins in verse 31. It says, um, 
They that wait upon the Lord shall mount up with wings as eagles. And they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And Sophia, God says as you wait upon the Lord, God's going to give you total 100% direction. You've wanted direction. You've wanted guidance. You don't know exactly what to do. God gives me another scripture for you. It's found in the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 14. As for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Sophia, the, the word for you is peace. And uh, in Psalms 37, 37, it says, Mark the upright, uh, Mark the perfect man, behold the upright, for the end of that man is peace. And God says, you are to go the way of peace. And where there's any kind of, of uh, unrest, you're not to go in that direction. You're to go to the other door. And God's going to give you great peace as you just wait upon the Lord. And the Lord shows me, not to, as you wait upon the Lord, you pray, and you just sit there, and you just wait, and you just wait, and a peace will come upon you. In Jesus' name. Isn't that a good word from the Lord? Come on, let's give the Lord a great big praise. Now. Pastor, I want to pray for you and your wonderful wife. Would you come up here? Hallelujah. Just come on right up here. Praise the Lord. I want us to pray and ask God a blessing and peace to rest upon them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, would you join hands? Praise God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. I sense the, the glory of the Lord here. And uh, Pastor, God shows me that this is a new, a new year for you. It's a new day for you. It's like you're going through a new door in your life. And it's unlike any other door that's ever you've ever gone through. And God is going to give you a new anointing of wisdom a new anointing uh, to know what to do. God's going to make it very clear to you. And there's new, a new presence of God upon your life. In the very beginning days when God called you, you felt there would be great miracles and great manifestations of His power. And God has used you from time to time, but not in the way you felt like God was going to use you. The Lord says there's a new anointing. And God gives me the word for you in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are going to manifest themselves in your life like they've never manifested before. God's going to give you an anointing to heal the sick, especially cancer and diabetes. Cancer will not be able to stand in the anointing God is putting upon you. And my sister, the hand of the Lord is upon you. God's hand's upon you as an intercessor, as a woman of great authority in prayer. And God is going to enable you and use you. And I see that anointing being transferred to many other women. And in the days ahead, you will stand before large crowds of women. And you will share the power of the Holy Spirit that God has given to you. And those people will begin to enter into intercession. They'll begin to enter into a prayer experience with God that they have never had before. 
The Lord says He's going to send a great revival to this house. It's a great move of the Holy Spirit. And what's going to happen is many young people are going to come to the Lord. And sons and daughters that have been away are going to come to Christ. The revival is on its way, saith the Lord. Hallelujah to Jesus. Praise God. Let's give the Lord a great big praise for it. Hallelujah. Uh, praise the Lord. Pastor, I, I want to turn the service uh, right back to you. But I want to, before I go, I want to bless this congregation with seven promises and seven blessings. I want you to stand to your feet in the name of Jesus. The first blessing I want to bless you with is that all things are working toward the, towards your good. And in the next 24 hours, something good is going to happen to you in Jesus' name. The second promise is that God is uh, His mercy and His uh, grace is upon you according to the book of Hebrews, chapter 4.12. The third blessing is that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus in 2 Corinthians 5.21. The fourth blessing is this, that by His stripes you're healed. I cast all sickness and disease out of you in Jesus' name. The fifth promise is this, that the blessing that on, was on Abraham is upon you in the name of Jesus. You're blessed to prosper. You're blessed to, to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. And you're blessed physically in Jesus' name. The sixth promise is that God is going to give you extreme favor. Extreme favor with every person you come in contact with. And the seventh promise is that this is a season of mighty answers to prayer. And the only reason you won't get your prayers answered is if you don't pray. Hallelujah to Jesus. Now in closing, how many would say, Pastor, I want to give the Lord one day a week to fast until Easter. I'm asking you to do three things. Number one, I'm asking you to be a tither. If you're behind on your tithe, get caught up. I'd rather steal from the bank over here than steal from God. The second thing I'm going to ask you to do is take a time to pray every day. You've got a time to get up. You've got a time to go to bed. You've got a time to eat. You eat at 12 o'clock. It has nothing to do with you being hungry. It's 12 o'clock. Well, you need a time to pray, a time that belongs to God. The greatest miracles in the Bible happen at 9 o'clock and 3 o'clock. Nine o'clock in the morning was when the day of Pentecost was. Three o'clock in the afternoon is when the angel came to Cornelius, when fire fell from heaven in the days of Elijah. Why? Those were the times of morning and evening prayer. So I'm going to ask you to take a time to pray. And the third thing is I'm going to ask you to take a day to fast. If you can't fast the whole day, fast in at least till six o'clock. If you're on medication, Take a piece of bread, eat it, and take your medicine and fast. But I'm going to ask you to do so. How many would take a time to pray between 4 and 5 in the morning? 5 and 6. 6 and 7. 7 to 8. 8 until 9. 9 until 10. 10 until 11. 11 till 12. From noon until 1 will be your time. 1 until 2. Two until three. Three until four o'clock in the afternoon. Four until five. Five until six. Six until seven in the evening. Seven till eight. Eight until nine. Nine until ten. Ten until eleven at night. 
11 until midnight. 12 to 1. 1 to 2. 2 to 3. 3 to 4. In addition, how many will give God permission to wake you up at least one night a week to pray? Hold your hand up. On fasting, He'll take Mondays. Every Monday. Tuesdays. Wednesdays. Thursdays. Fridays. Saturdays. Sundays, you'll fast. I want to pray for you. Would you join hands with people on either side of you? And I want us to pray together. Pray with me out loud. Say, Lord Jesus, you have got a great plan for my life. Take out of me what the devil's put in me. And put back in me what the devil's stolen from me. Devil, you're a liar. And everything that you've said to me, God shall do the opposite. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me totally clean. May I be squeaky clean in the name of Jesus. Fill me with your love. Fill me with the power of the Holy Ghost. And may your will be accomplished in my life and in my family. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a great big praise clap. Hallelujah. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May God Almighty cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May He lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And may you take that peace everywhere you go and share with others as ministers of reconciliation. May you not impute people's trespasses against them. In Jesus' name, go get them, Tigers. God bless you. Thank you for coming today.